Hello, and welcome to another episode of CX Cast. I am your co-host, Deanna Laufer, along with my co-host, Sam Stern. Hello. And today I will be interviewing Sam, actually, about some new research he's doing on CX steering committees. Thanks for talking to us, Sam, about your research. Maybe you could start by just giving us a little basic information. Why do you have a CX steering committee and why are companies creating them? The big reason to create a CX steering committee, a lot of companies face the challenge that, broadly speaking, the rest of their organization, if you're the CX pro, you're the CX team member, are not sure how their their role, their department, their responsibilities connect to customer experience transformation goals. We see this show up in the fact that customer experience professionals complain about a lack of customer-centric culture. Most companies say that they don't have that. They complain about their org structure and the processes of their org are not you know, conducive to focusing on customer and that they lack alignment at the executive level around customer experience goals. And so what you need is you start at the top to get that alignment, to change the culture, to get the right structure and process in place. And the easiest way to get executives to start to be involved mm-hmm. is to involve them in decisions about the customer experience. And that's where something like a customer experience steering committee comes in. It is the most straightforward way to give executives a outlet that they're used to. Steering committees form around all sorts of topics in companies. It gives them something they're used to, a standing monthly meeting where they convene to make decisions collectively, in this case about customer experience. So it's a great way to give them a format that they're familiar with, but get them involved directly in customer experience. You know, you talked about they're used to this format. I would imagine some companies, there's lots of steering committees mm-hmm. that executives are already participating on. Yes. You know, how do they typically feel about having one more committee or one more meeting? They love it. Yeah. They love it. Yeah, they're so happy. No, yes, that that is um, <laughs> certainly a challenge that we see a barrier at some companies. Yeah. And I talk about that a little bit in the report. You know, we lay out in the report how you make the case for a steering committee and how you run one effectively. But we also, at the end, share some hard earned lessons from CX professionals about what happens when things don't work out as they they hoped when creating a CX steering committee. And there's a number of things you can do. One is some companies, General Motors is a good example of this, found that exact problem that, yes, executives did want to be on a steering committee. Of course, they were already on like six others. So which of those were you going to take off their plate? Answer was none. So instead of making a new standalone CX steering committee, they put CX as a topic on those other existing committees. Mm -hmm. So it was still coming up. They raised it in those other settings, and that was a way to tackle it. Other companies have tackled it by going, okay, we ideally like C-level or one level below executives, the people who truly are the ones who make decisions of this company that have positional authority to then get broad groups of employees to follow those decisions. Reality strikes that they are all booked solid every month. (laughs) So we will go one or two layers down in the organization, get people who actually can attend meetings. There was an example of one of the health insurers that we talked to for the research. That was what they ended up doing. And then a third way to do this is we ideally want the entire organization represented here, customer facing behind the scenes, all of our operating units in practice. That is hard to do at large complex organizations. And so sometimes companies start with with one operating unit mm-hmm. or with one sort of, you know, few maybe it's a few departments, but one area of the business and get them collectively making decisions, often they are motivated because they have collective responsibility for an important customer journey and know that they need to coordinate better around it. So that can be the jumping off point and start there and hopefully scale up 
after you've proven the efficacy of the steering committee in that narrower focus. Meeting creep is a problem, I think, in any organization. So yeah. you do need to be mindful of yeah. adding to that without having a clear reason why. Yeah, though that's what executives do, right? They attend <laughs> meetings. <laughs> that's my understanding of it. Uh, not being an executive, they yeah. seem to be in meetings all the time. Yeah. We're talking about steering committees as this being sort of like a one thing. Is it or can there be multiple committees? What's the yeah. structure like? Yeah, usually companies end up with more than one committee. Not that they're all called committees, but mm-hmm. they'll have a group that is senior mm-hmm. or as senior as they can get, as we were just talking about, yeah. with the idea being these people will make decisions. They will review customer experience metrics. They will look at pain points and try and prioritize them in some way. And they will make decisions about what we're going to focus on and what projects will get approved. Mm-hmm. Those types of decisions really the customer experience. The people that can make decisions that get adhered to in an organization are almost never the people that have time and skills, frankly, to execute those decisions. And so what almost always happens is a second group, either it's a working level steering committee or they often splinter into three or four work stream groups working on some of the key Mm -hmm. initiatives that the high level group has set. They will complement that high level group and execute on their decisions. There's usually, that's the most common pairing is a deciding group and a doing group. Other times it's a span of control Breakpoint, so you'll have Maersk Lines, uh, the big shipping company is a good example of this. They had a enterprise-wide governance council complemented by region-specific, I think 55 different countries, at least when we talk to them, this may <laughs> not be true any longer, but, but at that point, 55 different countries had their own CX steering committee yeah. that took the broad enterprise-wide decisions and made them relevant and customized to their country or their region. Yeah, and hopefully by having that sort of lower level, you can maybe take off all of the non-important decisions from that upper-level committee, and then m- maybe you're taking, we were talking about the precious time that executives mm-hmm. have, taking mm-hmm. some of that away from and and giving it to people who have more time to to make those decisions. Yes. And, you know, with any of those multi-tiered models, it removes from executives, and they're not good at this anyway, frankly, it removes from them having to figure out how we do this. Mm -hmm. They just figure out that it's important that we do so. And they're saying that makes it something that's going to happen in the organization. And then you kick it to a group that is much better at figuring out how to operationalize or execute those types of initiatives. Yeah. So if I'm a CX pro and maybe I'm new to my job, we're just starting our CX transformation, is now the time to set up a steering committee or, or when in that that timeline of transformation do you set up this governance yeah. structure? This is one of the things around governance or culture that you would do very early okay. in your CX transformation. Most of the governance culture practices, they tend to fall further towards the back of your transformation, in my understanding, this is one that you can do pretty early on Mm -hmm. because it's really powerful and it is relevant to get executives together making decisions. They can make decisions. Often they are there to bless the customer experience vision that you're creating or to confirm that that's something that's work that needs to happen. That is often one of the first projects that they approve. And, you know, a few months later, you come back to them with the vision for them to sign off on. So, You think about how early in a transformation you create a CX vision, the steering committee is often present at that point to approve the work done to create the vision and to approve the output of that work. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I was talking to a CFM vendor about developing their customer experience vision. Mm -hmm. And to your point, the very first meeting of the CX steering committee was looking at that draft vision that they already created. And I talked to folks in other companies that don't have the standing meeting and 
they still need executives to look at it, but there isn't a place to do yeah, that, yeah. right? That's already existing. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, flip that around, the CX steering committee, what do they do? Well, when you tell them the first thing you're going to do is look at our proposed CX vision and approve it or give us feedback, and then from there we'll use what's in the vision to guide how we make decisions about other projects and initiatives, that right away gives you so much clarity and starts to put guardrails around what the steering committee is actually going to do. So you're early in your transformation. You want to set up the CX steering committee structure early. Who ensures the continued success of the steering committees? Yeah, this is a responsibility for the CX team. Okay. There's a graphic in the report that shows the collaboration between the steering committee, the working level groups, and Mm -hmm. the CX team itself. The CX team is responsible for setting the agendas, socializing those agendas ahead of time, for communicating follow-ups, for sharing data, potentially keeping a metrics dashboard of important customer experience metrics for the executive to review, for being pains in the butts about uh, actually executing on the decisions that they took afterward. That is all their responsibility, which is time that they need to spend. But to me, is time well spent because if you're getting executives to make decisions and then take action on them, that's going to be hugely um, beneficial to your CX work. Um, the other thing I'll say is that in many of these companies that we spoke to for the research, the senior most CX person in Mm -hmm. the company sits on the CX steering committee, which probably makes sense, but they are often the most junior person at that meeting, right? Mm -hmm. They may be director or VP of customer experience. The other people are SVPs or higher, and yet they're still in the room. So that's a great way as well to be involved and to sort of ensure, especially in the early days, that at least one person at that table is bringing the customer lens to it. And hopefully as you go and they get more in tune with customer experience, more executives play that role in the meeting. And in fact, that's one of the sort of success criteria that some of the CX pros told us they use is the less I have to do reminding people to take the customer's point of view in the meeting because mm-hmm. others are doing it, the better I feel about how the group is functioning. Yeah. Thanks, Sam, for sure. sharing this research. For those of you who want to learn more, we'll post a link to Sam's report so you can learn more about CX steering committees and best practices around them. So thanks for joining us today. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.